I remember in my younger years, working as uh, an executive of one of the, the biggest company in Southeast Asia, the president of the company sent me an email and he told me that he wanted to see me two days, two days after that email. It was an appointment that the president is setting. He wanted to see me. If you have the opportunity to meet with a VIP or a very important person, what would you do? Prepare, excited, and sometimes nervous, okay? And I remember at that time, um, I woke up really early. I couldn't sleep because I was thinking about what the meeting is all about a day prior. And uh, I was thinking about it. And I woke up really early. And when, when I woke up, but prior to that, the night prior to that, I already prepared my clothes. Okay, I said I will be wearing my tie. Okay, I already prepared my socks, including my underwear. And I made sure that my pants are okay. There is no double line on my pants. Right? And when I woke up the following day, I made sure, by the way, that my car was clean. Okay? I was preparing. And in fact, I was thinking, what will the president tell me? I was a bit nervous and I don't know what to do. But just the same, I prepared myself. So I went 30 minutes earlier. I was in the seventh floor at the lobby, waiting for the secretary to call me. It was a day where I was expecting I will be reprimanded or probably a new project will be given to me. So the key word is, I was preparing. And there was also an instant, fast forward. The president of, of our company asked me to prepare uh, some proposal on how we're going to expand our company. So I was preparing everything, but I was not as excited as the first meeting with, with the president of the company. So when I was on the seventh floor, waiting for him to, to call me, 15 minutes before he called me, I remember my laptop, or I realized that my laptop is running out of battery. It was running out of power. And I have a presentation to present to him and higher management. It was very scary. I, I was perspiring, I don't know what to do, so on and so forth. Have you experienced that? You had an important appointment and all of a sudden, things are not working to your benefit. Right? Or sometimes you leave the house, you forgot your wallet, did that happen to you? 
I'm sure for our young people, you don't forget your cell phones. <laughs> right? Right? It's okay if you forget your notes, your books, but never the cell phone. Am I right or am I correct? Huh? Both. So the topic, the title of my message this morning, Hey Siri, what's my next appointment? You have a whole day appointment with God. Make sure you're ready to meet Him. Let's do it again. Hey Siri, what's my next appointment? You have a whole day appointment with God. Make sure you're ready to meet Him. Are you ready to meet your God? Are you ready to meet your God? Are you ready to meet your God? Sad to say, many people are ready to meet their friends, ready to meet someone else, but they are not ready to meet their God. So let's move on with our, with our lesson for this morning. As I said, the title of my message is, Hey Siri, what is my next appointment? Exodus chapter 19, in the third month, after the sons of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt. On that very day, they came into the wilderness of Sinai. When they set out from Rephidim, they came to the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness, and there Israel camped in front of the mountain. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the sons of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Let's stop there for a while. You yourselves, God told Moses to tell the children of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians. Do you remember what God did to the Egyptians when they were still in bondage and when they left Egypt? What were they? God sent the ten plagues. Okay. Why did God send the ten plagues in Egypt? To show to the Egyptians that there is no other God but Him. Okay. And second, to show to the Egyptians that they cannot save themselves apart from God. And it says, and how I bore you on eagle's wings. How many of you have seen an eagle? Okay. Now let's look at Deuteronomy 32.11. Like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that hovers over its young, he spread his wings and caught them. He carried them to his pinions. The eagle, the eaglet is the baby eagle, right? What the eagle does is he brings that eaglet on a very, very high altitude and he releases that eaglet. And naturally, what will that eaglet do? He will try to flap his wings and he will try to, will try to what? Fly. 
to fly. And when that eaglet is about to fall or drop on the ground, that huge eagle is going to the rescue, just like Clark Kent. Okay, and he will catch that eaglet. And again, he will take that eaglet in a very high altitude and release that eaglet. And sometimes the mother eagle will put some thorns and thistles in his nest so that the eaglet will not be comfortable in the nest. That's what eagle do. Why? So that their children will become strong. And that's what God did to the children of Israel. They became uncomfortable. Why? Because God wanted them to move on. What if they became comfortable in Egypt? They will not leave Egypt. They will be in bondage forever. But because God wants them to be released from that bondage, what does he do? He made them uncomfortable, just like the eaglet. And sometimes in life, when we are uncomfortable, we think that God has already forgotten us. And do you know the reason why it's happening? Because God doesn't want you to be, to be comfortable. He wants you to become uncomfortable so that you can move on. Amen? Okay, and then he said, He will catch that eaglet with his pinions. And in Revelation chapter 21, verse 3, it says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he shall dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be among them. You know, when I was reading this one last night, one of the things that God spoke to me is that I want to mingle with my people. God is not a God who is up there. Probably you've heard other people saying, oh, the guy up there. Right? But God is not up there. God is among his people. God is mingling with your affairs. That's why God knows what you are going through this morning. You may be in a situation where you are you wanted to give up. But I tell you, God is with you. And He is always there to catch you whenever you are giving up. Amen? Isn't God good? Okay, let's move on. Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine. God said, if you will obey my voice. Obey is following what he is telling us in the Bible. That's why we always tell you, read your Bible. Why? Because God's instructions are all in the Bible. You cannot go wrong if you read the Bible. You may be, probably most of you or some of you, likes to read books, even Christian books. Guidelines to Christian living. Guidelines to good family life. How to raise up children. How to raise up parents. Probably we're reading that. But you know what? If you get all your instructions from the book or from the Word of God, 
you will never go wrong. However, it doesn't stop there. You need to obey. Reading the Bible is different from obeying what the Bible is saying. And he says, and keep my covenant. Then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples. I remember when my son DJ was young, uh, they had a presentation, Christmas presentation in CCF Maine, wherein he was standing, I believe, on the, on the front, and they were singing. Okay, and Mylene and myself, we were sitting towards the middle, and where's DJ, where's DJ? Oh, there's DJ. We saw him. And you know what? The Bible says that among all the peoples of the earth, God saw you. Isn't it a beautiful sight that you parents, when your kids are in front or they are mingling with many people or with many children, you still can see your children or your child, child is, right? You know what? We are in the apple of God's eyes. Among many people, God still sees you. Why? Because you are his possession among all the peoples. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words which the Lord has commanded them. So Moses and the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses brought back the words to the people of the people to the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will come to you in a thick cloud, so that the people may hear when I speak with you, and may also believe in you forever. Then Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. I notice that God did not talk to the people directly, but he called on Moses and told Moses what he's supposed to tell to the people of Israel. Right? And vice versa. You know, God is holy. We sang about the holiness of God. And because God is holy and man is sinful, no one can approach God as is. Moses in the book of Exodus is a type of Jesus. So God will always talk to Moses. Why? Because Moses was the mediator. But in the New Testament, the Bible says that Jesus is our only mediator. God talks to us through his word. And whenever we call on God, the Bible says that we call to God, we pray to God in the name of our mediator, in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay? So the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will come to you in a thick cloud so that the people may hear when I speak with you and may also believe in you forever. Then Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. The Lord also said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments. And let them be ready for the third day for the for the third day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of the people. Before God could meet the people, God wanted these people to be consecrated. 
I will discuss with you later what it means to be consecrated. Let's move on to Joshua. In Joshua 3 verse 9, Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders. I noticed that whenever God wanted to speak to his people or God wanted to meet his people, he always instructs them to consecrate themselves first. As I mentioned earlier, that God is holy and a holy God cannot even look at sin or cannot mingle with sinful people. That's why he always instructs them to be consecrated. In fact, you will notice earlier the instruction was for them to wash their clothes. And here's another instruction. You shall set bounds for the people all around, saying, Beware that you not go up on the mountain or touch the border of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Reason being, because he is a holy God. He cannot stand sin. And our sinful nature cannot face or cannot even glaze at the glory of God. No hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shut through. Whether beast or man, he shall not live. When the ram's horn sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and consecrated the people, and they washed their garments. He said to the people, Be ready for the third day. Do not go near a woman. So it came about on the third day, when it was morning, that there were thunder and lightning flashes and a thick cloud upon the mountain and a very loud trumpet sound so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was all in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire and its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain quaked violently. When the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him with thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai on top, to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Go down, warn the people, so that they do not break through to the Lord to gaze, and many of them perish. Also let the priest come, who come near to the Lord, consecrate themselves, or else the Lord will break out against them. Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to the mountain Sinai, to Mount Sinai, for you warned us, saying, Set bounds about the mountain and consecrate it. Then the Lord said to him, Go down and come up again, you and Aaron with you, but do not let the priest and the people break through to come up to the Lord, or he will break forth upon them. Last verse, so Moses went down to the people and told them. So notice the scenario. God wanted to speak with his people. He wanted to set an appointment. This was actually, verse 19 is actually the preamble of chapter 20. Chapter 20 is when God gave them the Ten Commandments. So you will note that before that, God has instructed them to consecrate. And I was 
when I was reading that, Lord, why did you tell them to consecrate and you said you are going to meet them on the third day? Why don't you just come since you're a sovereign God? God can do that, right? He can come whenever he wants. Why? Because he is God. But Lord, why do you have to instruct the people to consecrate themselves? Why was there a warning? Because as I mentioned earlier, when a holy God meets with sinful men, men will die. Why? Because holiness and sin cannot mix together. But note, because of God's grace, He gives people a warning. God loves you and me, and He doesn't want us to perish. But because of His nature, the unchangeable nature of a sovereign God, there's nothing else we can do except what God will do. That's why He gave them a warning. Let the people consecrate themselves. And in fact, the instructions were very specific. If you will not, wash your clothes. You know when they were in the desert, water is luxury. Right? There's not much water in the desert, except when God will provide them water. They don't even have washing machines. But the instruction was to wash their clothes. And they were even told to abstain from having sexual relationships. Why? Because God wanted to see them as clean before they approach Him. You know what? If we will do it on our own effort, on the basis of God wants us, we can never achieve God's standard. God's standard is here. We can only this, do this much. We will always fall short of God's standard. We will always fall short of God's glory. However, however, Jesus Christ bridged that gap so that you and me, the Bible says in Hebrews, can come to the throne room of the Father and approach Him without fear or trembling. There is a gap. And that cross, Jesus, bridges that gap for you and for me. Amen? So there's always hope. And the only thing that we need to do is to respond to the gift that God is giving us. To respond to what Jesus has done on the cross of Calvary. Going back to the chart earlier, showed you that this is the journey of a Christian life. And we are now in the section or in the portion wherein we will be talking about sanctification. Now, there are two major words that I'd like to introduce or define to you this morning. Sanctification versus consecration. Many, many people, many preachers, many teachers, they just interchange sanctification and consecration because they are closely related to each other. But let me define it uh, so that more or less we know what we are talking about this morning. Sanctification means to purify, to clean, to make whole. 
And sanctification is the achievement of God's purpose in our lives, which is Christ-likeness. Christ-likeness or holiness. That is sanctification. And the next word is consecration. Consecration is setting apart for God's purpose. Setting apart. For those of you who are, my wife would always call me, when I wash the clothes, I always mix the white and the colored ones together. And every time I do that, she gets mad at me. Right? For those of you who are washing, it's always best to separate the heavy ones, the lighter ones, colored, and the whites. Right? Okay? Consecration is setting apart. Okay? Separating them. Sorting them out. Consecration is actually the word that they use when they ordain a priest in the olden days. Consecration. Setting apart. Okay? Understood? Sanctification is by grace. But it involves cooperative response on our part. And it is facilitated through grace. There's nothing you and I can do to sanctify ourselves. No matter what we do, we will always fall short. Why? Because we are limited. And sanctification is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that it only needs a cooperative response on our part. So what is consecration? Consecration actually is our response to the sanctification work of the Holy Spirit. Setting apart. Let me show you an illustration. Who of you know what this is? A toothbrush. I just borrowed this example from Pastor Rigi Sartu. Okay, a toothbrush. Who among you have your own toothbrush? Everybody? Do you have a common toothbrush at home? No, huh? One toothbrush for every person. And what do you do? You take care of your toothbrush. After you brush your teeth, what do you do with your toothbrush? You wash it properly, you put it in its proper place. You don't even want to put it near the toilet bowl, right? Right? I, I remember there was this, you know, there was this wife. She was upset at the husband because, you know, the husband was angry because the bathroom was dirty. So one time, the husband came home, and when he got home, wow, the bathroom is clean. Okay, thank you, sweetheart. I love you so much. But not knowing, the wife used the toothbrush of the husband. Okay? So there is only one is to one ratio for every toothbrush. So that is an example of what? Consecration. We are set apart for God for a specific purpose. What is the purpose of the toothbrush? To brush our teeth. Right? And we set it apart for our own use. Consecration is God setting us apart for His glory. Consecration is God setting us apart for His use. And what is the purpose that God has given us towards sanctification, which is 
Christ like this. Amen? Are we communicating? Okay. There are four reasons why we need to be consecrated. First one, so we can walk in the Lord's way. It is very difficult to work to walk in the Lord's way, or you cannot actually do it to walk in the Lord's way if you are not consecrated to God. Second, so that we can grow. Every Christian, it is necessary for every Christian to grow in his Christian walk. And for us to grow, to bloom, to thrive, we need to be consecrated or separated for God. So that God can work in us. God can never work in us if we are not consecrated, if we are not set apart. And lastly, to enjoy the riches of God's salvation. Okay. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, entreat you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. So Apostle Paul is telling us, he's a prisoner. Okay, I walk in a manner worthy of the calling. Since we receive Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, God expects us to start to walk differently. I will give you a good example. For those of you who are single, and then you entered into a relationship with your girlfriend or probably with your boyfriend, what happens? You start to change your ways. Right? You start to change your ways. If before you are dating several girls all at the same time, what do you do now? You start to narrow it down to her only. And when you got married, what happened? Things really change. Right? You don't do things that you used to do before when you were single. But whenever you do something, you consider your spouse or you consider your better half. So that is consecrating ourselves. Once we entered into that relationship with Jesus, we start to do things differently. In Romans chapter 12, verse 20 says, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. In the Old Testament, when they offer an offering and then when they offer a sacrifice, it's always a dead animal. In fact, Abraham, when he was instructed to offer his son, before he lit the fire, Abraham was supposed to kill his son. Are you following? So for every offering, for every sacrifice that they did in the Old Testament, it has to be dead. Why do you think that it has to be dead? Because if it were alive, if it were alive, what will it do? When Abraham was offering Isaac, he needs to kill Isaac first. Why? 
Because if you put fire and Isaac is still alive, Isaac will jump out of that, out of that uh, sacrifice table, right? It has to be dead. But in the New Testament, it says, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. In the New Testament, we don't offer animals here. The only sacrifice that is acceptable to God in the New Testament is presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. What do I mean by that? How do we offer God our bodies as a living sacrifice? And why is it a body? Why is it the flesh? It can just say, offer your hearts to Him or offer your minds to Him. It says, offer your bodies a living sacrifice. Why? Because every time we offer ourselves to God, the flesh always go against it. And how do we do that? As Christians, there are things that we are expected to do. We don't do them for us to become Christians. But we do things because what? We are Christians. We are children of God. For example, you are in the office. Okay? And in the office, you know in the office there are a lot of politics. Right? You agree with me? Wherever you go, there's politics in the office. And sometimes when you are affected with politics, what our, or what is our, our tendency? Our tendency is to fight back. Our tendency is what? To join the intrigue. Our tendency is to what? To fight with that person. Hmm. Right? Am I right? But when we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, Lord, humanly speaking, I want to fight back. But Lord, you said in your word, the meek shall inherit the earth. That is offering our bodies as a living sacrifice. Another good example. Probably in school. Okay? In school. You know, you are, you are tempted to cheat. Or probably you are tempted to do things that's that's against the school regulations because your friends are doing it. The tendency is what? Oh, I'll join you. Right? And it's fun. I used to be a student like you. I enjoy doing things that are taboo in school. It's fun. That's actually what you call the, uh, the challenge. I'd like to take the challenge. Oops, I'm a Christian. I will not do it. It is offering our bodies as a living sacrifice. Or probably husband and wife relationship. Your wife is nagging you. And what's the tendency? The tendency is to what? To fight back. But whenever we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, wow, it is difficult. But Lord, I am offering my flesh to you. So it says, I urge you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. 
which is what? Acceptable to God, which is your reasonable, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that what you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. It is always nice to conform to the patterns of this world. But we Christians have to be different. The Bible says we need to what? Renew our minds. This world is very liberated now. This world is now allowing same-sex marriage. Oh, I will conform to that. That's the in now. But the Bible says we need to we need not conform to the pattern of this world. We need to just transform our minds so that we will know what is good and perfect in the sight of the Lord. So sanctification is the process of making us holy. Sanctification is the process of making us to conform into the image of His Son. And in order for us to be sanctified, the first thing we need to do, assuming you're already a Christian, is for us to be set apart. It's for us to be different. And how do you do that? The Bible says, by the renewing of our minds. So that God can work through our lives. So if you will note in the, in, in, in the book of Exodus chapter 19, we saw that God himself wanted to set an appointment with his people. And God was giving them specific instructions on how to consecrate themselves. Why? Because God wanted them to be ready. Now the question is, are you ready? Are you ready? We meet our God because God wanted us to do something and has given us specific instructions. Or probably God wanted to meet us because it's already judgment day. The book of Amos says, prepare to meet thy God. In one way or the other, all of us, all of us without exception, will meet our Creator. And we, when we meet our Creator, the question is, are we ready? Will our Creator say, welcome, good and faithful servant, enter into my kingdom? Or will our Creator, will God tell us, I do not know you? Ladies and gentlemen, it's not too late. If we are not ready to meet our Creator, this is the day that the Lord has made for you and for me to get ourselves ready. When we meet the President of the United States, we dress properly, we prepare, but we are going to meet the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. We are going to meet the Sovereign God. We are going to meet the one who created our bodies. Are we ready to meet him? It's only you who can answer that. And meeting our creator is a personal thing. 
It's not because our parents are Christians, then automatically we're Christians. No, it is between you and your God. Exodus chapter 19, verse 6, And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a royal nation, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. A chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. What is a priest? This is a promise that, is, that God has given us. That if we consecrate ourselves, okay, we will be called priests. What is a priest? It does not refer to the priest that say the mass. Okay? All of us are priests the moment we receive Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. The priest has the privilege of talking to God. The priest has a privilege of representing man to God. So there are two things that I'd like us to understand. The priest has the authority or, or the privilege of talking directly to God. Since we are all priests, we do not need anybody okay, to come in our behalf apart from Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says that we can approach God. We can approach Him and enjoy the presence of our Abba Father. And in Revelation 3.20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you open the door, I will come in. And Jesus will have fellowship with you and me. That is the privilege of being a priest. Second, we represent men to God. What does it mean? It means that we need to start reaching out to people who doesn't have that privilege of approaching God. And who are these people? These are the people who have not known Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. It is time for us to be a witness. It is time for us to be a light. It is time for us to be a salt of this earth. Because God has called us into priesthood. If you have an appointment with God today, do you think you are ready to face and have conversation with Him? You alone can answer that. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us the opportunity to approach you. Lord, sinful as we are, you are a holy God. Indeed, we cannot do it on our own merits. But Lord God, because of what Jesus has done on the cross of Calvary, we can approach the throne room of the Father and obtain mercy in times of need. Thank you, Lord God, for the privilege of being called your chosen people. Thank you, Lord God, even the privilege of becoming a priest before you. 
Lord, I pray that you will prepare our hearts. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here this morning who is not ready to face you, Lord, that we will have that, we will come to faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so that when the time comes, you will tell us, Lord, welcome, good and faithful servant. Thank you so much for what you have done on the cross of Calvary and the things that you have done to each and every one of us. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.